0: Sportsnet today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, the fan, Calgary.
1: Welcome back to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Patrick DeMa with Ryan Pike. It's Calgary Flames game day. They get ready for the Seattle Kraken. They're out on the West Coast in the Emerald City tonight. 8 o'clock puck drop right here on Sportsnet. 960 the fan. And we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, come on in, enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and Delivery, also available at Atlas Pizza 403-248-3344. And we are joined by. Andy Ide of, uh, it covers the sports uh, Seattle Kraken for the NHL.com. Sorry, Aaron had some technical difficulties. Andy, how are we finding you here on, uh, on this, uh, Wednesday afternoon, buddy?
2: I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain.
1: Hell yeah. We'd love to hear how it. How are you guys uh, doing? We're doing all right. Uh, as the flames get ready to take on the Seattle Kraken coming up tonight, uh, talked about me about your Seattle Kraken of late They're They're on a roll. I know they lost six, five in the shootout there before the holiday break, but, uh, much better story than last season. Uh let's hear uh what's uh what's the story on the Kraken so far to start uh, the 2022-23 season here.
2: Well, yeah, it's been much better this year than it was last year, that's for sure. Uh you know, they they've had a couple hot streaks uh, earlier in the season. They had a a five-game win streak and a seven-game win streak. No no real big losing streaks. They they had a stretch there where they had a tough schedule and lost five or six, but they've been able to rebound and uh just before that Vancouver game and won two in a row. Uh, it's a lot better story, a lot more fun uh, this year. You know, they they made some significant upgrades in the in the summer, and I think those have been paying off for them.
1: Well, that's good. And now Dave Hackstall was a guy that uh, I know I talked to one of your colleagues that covers the Kraken as well before the season, and he mentioned that maybe Dave Hackstall might have not gotten the same amount of uh, runway this year had the team got off to uh, not so great of a start. Obviously, there was a lot of adversity last year, but speak to uh, to how Dave Hackstall's coaching job has been in the second year.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I think, you know, nobody was happy with, with how last year went, especially, you know, Ron Francis and the ownership. But, so I do think that if they had gone down that same road this year, uh, it, it might have not ended well for Haxtell. I think he would have lasted the year. No matter what, uh, you know, I don't think Ron Francis would have gotten rid of him, but maybe at the end of the year they would have taken a look at it. Part of it was, you know, last year's team didn't have a whole lot of skill, so it's tough to coach a team like that to any kind of success. The the one bright spot last year is they played hard for Dave Haxel all the way through the end, uh, even when they were, you know, buried in last place and, and nowhere near a playoff position, they still showed up every day, worked hard. Uh, they just didn't have the skill to compete with other teams in the league and then that showed almost on a nightly basis. They would you know either get a lead going into you know, through the second period or they would, you know, give up the first goal and not be able to come back. And you just saw a lack of skill. So coaching is part of it, but but that that I don't know that anybody really would have won the with last year's roster.
0: Hey Andy Ryan here. How you doing? Hey. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Dealing with technical difficulties. That's uh, the joy of live radio. I'm curious, uh, (laughs) just in terms of, you know, obviously from the outside seeing uh, the changes made and the the, the changes experienced in Seattle, the goaltending seems to have done a complete 180. I know know Phil Grubauer had a, a tough season last year, but it seems like he's getting back to where he wants to be. And Martin Jones just seems like he's been such a good fit for, for a Kraken team that looked like it was, you know, it'd need to find a solution somewhere with Chris Drieger out this year.
2: Yeah, I think the goal has definitely been better. I mean, it could have been, it was it would be hard to be much worse than it was last year. And whether that was just, you know, Grubauer or the team in front of him just, or just the both together, weren't used to working together or not, You know, this year, uh, Chris Trigger was going to be the backup again, but he got injured at the World Championships, and he's out for most of the season. There's a chance he comes back late in the season. So they picked up Martin Jones, you know, as a fill-in for the backup uh, spot. Uh, on a one-year contract that didn't really raise any eyebrows or, or bring much fanfare for it. But Philip Grubauer got hurt a good month of the season, and he missed a good deal of time. And Martin Jones was kind of the savior in that time. He played some really good hockey. Team played really good hockey in front of him. And uh, you know, there's now some people who want him to be the starter over over group hour. I'm not sure if I'm there yet. Uh, Jones has been a little bit leaky the last, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks. But definitely, they are playing better. It, you know, going into every game now, you, you don't you know you don't cringe when you when you see a a rush come the other way like you may have done last year. And part of that is in front of them. You know, last year, they they were really bad at managing the puck. Uh, you know, some of that was was a bunch of guys being thrown together and not communicating very well. And that's that's been a big improvement this year, is is the play in front of the goaltender, which has really helped them have you know much better goaltending and, and be able to stay in games.
0: As as much as you you never want to see a team struggle out of the gate, do, do you think it might that the adversity might have been a good thing for that group because like you just mentioned, you know, it's a lot of, it was a lot of new guys who hadn't played together a lot in the past. They, they, you know, as you mentioned, struggled with puck management and communication, but this year, I mean, especially, you know, the games I've seen, they seem like such a cohesive group, especially compared to last season. So do, do you think the, the cohesion they have this year was a product of the lack of a better term, their lack of cohesion last year?
2: I I think probably a little bit. I think you know, as you go back to last year's trade deadline, I think what Ron Francis did. First of all, I think he did really well, uh, gaining you know he gained a ton of draft picks that that helped him like make moves like the the Bjorkstrand move this summer. But I also think they identified these are the guys we want to be have be our core moving forward, and so they traded everybody else. Uh, You know, not a knock on those guys. They just like the other guys better. And so you, you, for this year, when you came to the training camp, you had a core that knew each other already, that had played a season together, whereas last year everybody was introducing each other to each other. You know, last year also, I've heard a lot of guys have talked about how COVID kept them from doing anything off the ice together because you were afraid if you gave somebody COVID or if you got COVID, you were going to have to miss 10, 10 days. and Nobody wanted to do that. So like things like, you know, it seems trivial, but things like going out to dinner, or just hanging out, you know, off off ice or or non game days. There just wasn't any of that last year. So you you don't really get to know somebody just being in the dressing room and on the ice together. So this year they've been able to do a lot more of that. You know, you, you just see a lot of more guys getting along. You know, guys that that are, you, know, you see friendships that are forming in the room. And and I think all of that together. You know, plus then no nobody was like I said before. Nobody was happy. With how it went last year, I think I think they came into campus to determine to not have some of those same issues that they dealt with last year.
0: So in market, is there is there some inner conflict surrounding the world juniors? Because on one hand, you always want to see you know Team <laughs> USA and USA Hockey succeed. On The other hand, Shane Wright is playing for Team Canada. So uh, is around uh, around climate pledge arena. Who, who who's getting uh, the biggest cheers? Is it Team USA or is it Shane Wright?
2: Yeah, it's well. It's not just Shane Wright either on Team Canada. There's four members of the Seattle Thunderbirds and Olin Zoliger of Everett Silvertip. So, in many ways, Team Canada is Team Puget Sound because you have a bunch of guys from here that are playing hockey here that are involved in that team. So, it's I think it's a weird dichotomy. I think people want to see those guys do well, uh, but also you know they still want to be patriotic. Uh, you know, Matty Beniers told me the other day that he's not quite rooting for Team Canada, but he wants Wright to do well. So. I think that's probably the, the the popular sentiment here is we're going to root for those guys, but we don't want, we're not going to root too hard for them.
0: Do you have any indication uh, from Ron? I'm sure you and Ron Francis have deep conversations about these things uh, all, the <laughs> all the time. Has he, has that's he given right, you any indication right. in terms of what are the plans for Shane Wright's immediate future following uh, the, the tournament?
2: No, that's, you know, the million dollar question, right? It, it, I don't, it's, it's tough to read, but if you read the tea leaves, by by you know, loading him to the can, they really just kicked the can down the road. They played him in his eighth game the day before they loaned him. So they still haven't hit the nine game mark for him yet. They found a way to send him to the AHL for a couple of weeks. I don't think they wanna send him back. But the problem I have is there there's not really a, an easy avenue for him to get in the lineup every night. You know, you look at you look at the way they're playing in their forward group and I don't know who you take out to give an 18 year old, you know, chance to develop. So it's tough to say right now. I, I, I would be surprised if they sent him back to the OHL, but not shocked. I, I think they may just go back to how they've been doing it, you know, giving him a lot of time in practice, uh, trying to, you know, as injuries pop up, as they always seem to do, you know, filling him in here and there, uh, yeah, it's stuff obviously different than the, maybe the, the more common route for a guy like Shane Wright. You know, you think they probably would have sent him back by now in normal situations, but he's kind of in this weird uh, this weird middle position where you look at him, he's probably too good to go back to the OHL, so I don't know what benefit that serves him. You know, if he goes back and dominates, is, is that really advancing his game if he's dominating against senior players? Or is it better for him to practice every day and maybe not play as much this first year? Tough question. Uh, it's normally not done that way. But if I had to predict, I'd say that he still will be here uh, in Seattle, kind of like he was before.
0: Do you think there's a, a chance? I, I was just thinking, it's the back of my mind. If you kick the can down the road, the OHL's trade deadline, I believe, is late January. Uh, I think that's the the deadline for most of the CHL leagues. So you basically the poor kid. Hopefully, he got some clarity before uh, before the the uh, the All Star break. Because I mean, there there's always an arms race, as it seems around the the various junior leagues. You've, you've seen a few of them in the Western League, with you know one team makes a move, then every other team makes a move, then pretty soon you see these. 15 draft pick trades made I can I can foresee <laughs> you know potentially you know maybe maybe a, an OHL team makes overtures to Seattle to hey if uh, if you maybe if you loan them back there'll be a trade to a good team so th- those are the kind of things that are always fascinating to me as an outsider not being deep in the OHL bubble because we've seen enough in western in, you know the western hockey league alone enough interesting pre-memorial cup you know, tradings of these kinds of players, even if they're yeah. for conditional picks on the off chance that Seattle goes, eh, let's send him back. So I think that'll be fascinating to watch, but uh, uh-huh. do, do you have any, like, uh, do you have any indications of if there's any OHL teams that be, you know, have you seen any OHL uh, GMs just hanging out and, uh, you know, looking around shiftily uh, in the press box yet, or is it too, <laughs> still too early for that?
2: You know, I, I haven't seen or heard anything definitive on that. But I, you know, I've heard rumors about that uh, that obviously being a possibility that, you know, he gets traded to a, to, a, to a Memorial Cup contender, and, you know, they give him that opportunity to, to perform at that high level. You know, and, and in fact, uh, people who think that's outrageous, if you're around this part, the Western League, you just have to look at Leon Dreisaitl, who you know, pretty much it felt like the Oilers, you know, worked out a trade to get – drives out of the Kelowna when 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 the Oilers are sending him back after a year, half a year. Uh, So, yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. I don't know. know, I obviously don't follow the OHL enough to know who those teams would be, like who are the Memorial Cup contenders. Uh, But, yeah, I, I definitely think that's a possibility. I think right now everything's on the table with him. So I don't know that even Seattle knows exactly what they want to do yet.
1: We're talking with Andy Ide of uh, covering the uh, Seattle Kraken from NHL.com. Uh, talk to me about Daniel Sprong. Here's a guy, uh, not a lot of fanfare uh, around the league, but I've, you know, like Elliot Friedman was uh, up here has mentioned him as a player who's who's really fit in well with Seattle this year, especially. Uh, you know, only only got into 16 games last year, but he's this year full contest, got 10 goals and whatnot. So just talk about a guy like Daniel Sprong and what he's meant to the to the Kraken group.
2: Yeah, he he's been he's been a really pleasant surprise for them. Uh to go back to the summer, he you know, he's an RFA and he wasn't initially tendered a contract. He got a he got an invite out of PTO to training camp, so nothing was promised to him. And last year, you know, they got him the trade deadline from Washington, scored a few goals, but I think they didn't like they they weren't enamored with his overall game, away from the puck, playing defense. And that's the reason they were a little hesitant to, to just go out and re-sign him or tender him an offer. But he came into training camp, and he talked about that, them not signing him as, as kind of a wake-up call to, for himself. Worked on his game, had a great training camp, had a great preseason. Not just scoring goals, but, but the rest of the game that was maybe lacking, playing away from the puck, plays the defense. Got a real heavy shot. It was, you mentioned the 10 goals. He's playing on the fourth line. So, limited opportunities, mm-hmm. but he's still finding a way. He, he is getting on the power play because of that shot. But Seattle's fourth line has actually been very productive this year. Uh, Morgan Geeky centers that line, and they, they've kind of rotated other wingers. But I and mean, Geeky have been kind of the, the constants. Both are doing things. It feels like every night they have a way that they impact the game. Uh, you know, Geeky's more of a playmaker, he's also on the penalty kill. Sprong, you know, gets more minutes on the power play, obviously. Uh, but that, uh, that's a big bonus for them. And so he's given them a lot, you know, that can create some matchup problems. As you know, uh, and so I, I have Sprong has been a really great, uh, you know, and like I said before, pleasant surprise for, for the Kraken. I don't know that this much was expected out Mm -hmm. of him, but if you watch him, boy, that shot of his, man, he's got a heavy, heavy shot and he's taking advantage of that.
1: Yeah, I know he's been one of my uh, one of my more favorite players to watch this year for sure. Be definitely keeping an eye on him tonight. Uh, we talked about with our last guest about this player, and I, and I think he's unappreciated around the league for what he's done, uh, not only for club and country, but just Jordan Everly. I know this club, does, you know Seattle doesn't have a captain, but if you could find a de facto captain, it, it would probably be Jordan Everly in my mind. But just, just speak about what Jordan Everly's meant to the Kraken.
2: Well, first of all, I agree 100% that he would be the, the captain. Uh, I actually wrote an article about that this <laughs> summer. Uh, Everly is great. Uh, you know, the rest of the team respects him, obviously. He's got the track record in the, in the NHL. Um, you know, he he they have him in the in the locker room. They have Shane Wright all right next to him, one side of him, and Veneers on the other. Wow. And that's on purpose, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. There's two young stars in the franchise, and they're sitting next to Everly. He's well respected, and, and he's he's having a great season on the ice. Him and Beniers really have have had a connection ever since last year. Since Beniers came up, they've they've had chemistry. They played well on the line. I think maybe Beniers has played one or two games without Eberly uh, on his wing, and I think he's been a big reason that Beniers has been able to to do what he's done so quickly. And yeah, I would make Everly the captain if you're gonna go that route. I don't know. they didn't have they don't have a captain now last year. It was Giordano for a while. Um, who you guys are obviously familiar with. who? Uh, who? Who's that? Yeah, Everly Everly's great and yeah, I agree with you that he's kind of under the radar league wide.
1: Now that with with Seattle, they're seven two and two in the Pacific division this year, you're holding on to that third spot in the Pacific division. Uh, now, what what does this club have to do to sustain this and, and be in the playoffs for you know getting into March and into April as we get into the, uh, the through the dog days and into the, the critical months here? Uh, what does the Seattle team need to do to stay in these in this playoff spot next time we see them?
2: Well, uh, a couple of things. First, first off, this week is a big week for them because they play Calgary tonight and then Edmonton at home on Friday. Uh, those two teams are kind of nipping at their heels in the standings in the Pacific. So, no, this is, the, the Seattle has games in hand, but this is a chance for them to pad, you know, the, the difference there. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to being consistent. Seattle, you know, has had a couple of bouts of inconsistency this year. They've rebounded from it nicely uh, when it has happened. But, you know, playing a full game, that game in Vancouver, just before Chris was an example, you know, Seattle had been pretty good when they've had a lead in the third period, and they blow a two-goal lead against Vancouver, you know, in the second half of the third period. They can't be doing that too often. Once every now and then, that's going to happen in hockey. But Seattle needs to be consistent. They need to play a full game. And I mentioned the puck management problems they had last year. That's popped up a time or two this year and cost them games. When they manage the puck well and they check well, they're they're very good defensively. And they've had some some games where they don't give up much. A lot of games where they don't give up much, uh, and then find some time with scoring. So they have to stay that stay consistent like that. And we mentioned the goaltending at the start of this. Goaltending has to stay consistent, too. Like I said, Martin Jones, as good as he's been, has been a little leaky in his last several starts. Uh, He's been up and down. You know, he had a stretch there where he gave up something like 13 goals and and three or four starts in a row. So we can't have have stretches like that anymore. Seattle wants to to stay where they are and, and be where they want to be in spring.
0: Now, Andy, you know a thing or two about the Western League and a thing or two about the Seattle Thunderbirds. The most recent uh, contract given out by the Calgary Flames has been to a a Seattle Thunderbird by the name of Lucas Siona, who is a a 2021 uh, draft pick by the Calgary Flames. I'm just curious, my friend, what can you tell folks, you know, who haven't seen a lot of Lucas Siona? Because I think uh, I don't think the T-Birds have been through these parts for a while and uh I think by the time they come through again Siona will be playing probably in the American League. But what what can Flames fans uh come to expect from Siona based on his play uh with the T Birds so far?
2: Well uh I happened to do the color on their game last night and he had five points. Uh, he had two goal, three assists, including the game winner, and he got in a fight. Uh that's the kind of player you're gonna get he has some skill. I mean he doesn't maybe not have I don't know how it translates to the NHL we'll also see but he's the quintessential power forward. He's a big, strong kid. No, no fear going to the corners. No fear going in front of the net. One of his goals last night was, was him parked in front of the net. Uh, you know, he's, I mentioned he got in a scrap. He's very physical. He, he throws the body around. So, if nothing else, he'll be very physical forward. Uh, you know, we'll see about the scoring. You know, he scored some goals this year. He scored. He had some points. I think he's kind of an underrated underrated playmaker people think of goal but he's 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 able to set up his teammates well you know he's just one of those kids that does everything the right way uh and you know he's obviously a fan favorite here uh couldn't be nicer you know I talked to him in the preseason when he when you was dropping him off, but he got to do the the warm up skate uh you know he he was very excited for that uh you know he was hoping for a contract that was just before he got signed uh you know he, he's he's a great kid. He's been to Seattle now three or four years, and you could tell at 16 that he was yeah, he has some NHL potential, and he's lived up to that.
0: He he seems like he was just you know I was hearing from from scouts and from watching some games myself. He seemed like he he really took a step during that that playoff run last year. He seemed like he was you know really in the fabric of every game. And you know I, I know this year especially his offensive numbers have taken a big step. Is is he doing a lot of things differently than he was? a year ago, or is it just a case that he's doing a lot of things well and just the the pucks are just starting to go in for the club when he's on the ice?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's probably a combination of the little. I think he's always been a hard worker.
0: You know, when it comes to the physical
2: aspect of the game, he's always worked on his body and then gotten stronger. So, you know, he's 19 now, so he's a little mature there. You know, I know the first couple of years he was uh, in the league and on the team, he he always seemed to be in a good spot and get a good shot off, but he would either the that or hit a post, and you know I think he's fine-tuned maybe his shot and, and how accurate it is. Uh, yeah, and you know last year was a big a big deal for him. He played really well in their playoff run, and they had quite the playoff run. You know they they lost to Edmonton in the finals, but to get there, they had to win uh, what was a two back-to-back seven-game series, one of which they were down three-one and then came back to, to win it. Uh, that 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 affects a lot of older players who are playing a lot. You know. They, they learn uh how to deal with that. Now right right again they're on a team that's you know ranked number one in the CHL. So they're in contention again. He's been a big part of that. Uh you know, he if you watch last night's game against Spokane, he was he was unbelievable all night long and and you know really a catalyst uh for a team that may may have been a sloppy game, you know, they 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 were down three one but it came back. Uh you know a lot a lot of that due to him. So I think he's just I think as he's matured he's become more of a leader on that club uh, for
0: sure. Well, thanks for joining us, Andy. Really appreciate it for anyone who uh, wants to follow along with Andy's work, uh, basically in everything uh, Puget sound hockey. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter <laughs> at uh, Andy. I'd E I E. And uh, he's also part of a, a really fun podcast called uh, sound of hockey. They've basically dated back well before the Kraken. so if you're curious about the Western yeah, like league, the before. Kraken, all kinds of places uh, and, Disclosure, Andy and I used to do a podcast together. So Yeah. <laughs> We're to
1: blame.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh hopefully it'll be a fun game tonight.
1: Thanks, buddy. Enjoy. There you go. Andy Id covering the Seattle Kraken. Does all things Puget Sound hockey as well. Good uh, good discussion there with uh with him uh, regarding uh, Lucas Siona and the Seattle Thunderbirds and the uh, possible future flames uh uh prospect down the line. It's funny, yeah. You probably won't see him next time we see him. You might be seeing him at a Wrangler game, actually. So, yeah. So, so yes. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll wrap up the show. Coming up next, uh, the Flames game day as they get ready for the Seattle Kraken tonight. Uh, still no news from uh, from the team down south, but uh, we'll, we don't know who's going to be in net. Don't want to make any assumptions. Uh, it was Markstrom last night. We'll see if Dan Vladar gets the call in a back to back. The Flames do not play again until Saturday. We'll wrap up the show. Sportsnet today coming up next right here. Sportsnet nine sixty the fan.
0: Back to Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome
1: back to Sportsnet Today. Final half hour here before we get ready for the hockey PDO podcast with Dmitry Filipovic coming up at 3 o'clock. Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson have Flames Talk coming up at 4 uh, before Flames warm up at 7 o'clock. Getting you set for the Flames and Kraken. It is a Calgary Flames game day brought to you by South Point Toyota. Flames uh, looking to get back in the win column. Dropped a tough one last night, two one to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, of course, Conor McDavid got his uh, what sixteen games. He scored a point now in a row. I believe it is something like that. So one one back
0: of his career high. Something like that. I, yeah. I haven't I haven't looked at the the, the stats line on yeah. him this year, but he's having an okay season. He's having
1: an okay year. He actually passed Mike Gartner for the most goals ever. Game winning goals against the Flames yesterday. Mike Gardner had nine. Who
0: would have thought that Mike Gardner would have held that record? Mike Mike
1: Gardner had the the record for most game-winning goals against the Flames, and now it's Connor McDavid. Sounds right. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, Yes, the Flames are in Seattle taking on the Kraken. That one goes at 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, There's some NHL news uh, of sorts today. Uh, The Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, expensive day for them. I mean, it's expensive for us. Maybe not expensive for them. Uh, They're fined a total of $125,000 in two separate incidences. Uh, the first one uh, fined a hundred thousand dollars for violating. Uh, The collective bargaining agreement. This is is right right up my alley. This is right up my This is up your alley. You take it away here, Ryan.
0: All right. So, folks, in the CBA, there are many things that are up for interpretation. (laughs) One of the things that's not up for interpretation is the rules around uh, the league shutting down over the Christmas break. So, uh, under the CBA, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and Boxing Day shall be off days for all purposes, including travel, and no club may request a player's consent to practice on such days for any reason, provided... However, if December 26th falls on a Saturday and the league has scheduled days on that date, December 23rd may be substituted as an off day. So the long story short is the league had no games scheduled on the 24th, 25th, and 26th, mm-hmm. and so they were explicitly forbidden from travel. The Toronto Maple Leafs, according to uh news Elliot Friedman on Twitter, uh, they, tr- they were scheduled to fly to St. Louis just after midnight Eastern time on uh, the 27th, as mm-hmm. in they would go to the airport late on Boxing Day, hang around, and then the plane would take off just after midnight. For whatever reason, I believe it was that they were arguing it would be easier to fly earlier. They flew in at 10, they left at 10.30 instead of just after midnight, and leaving the airport at 10.30 constitutes travel on Boxing Day, and that's a no-no. And so the Toronto Maple Leafs are taking a $100,000 haircut. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, that in terms of your overall revenue, it's probably a drop in the bucket. But... It's also a thing where you probably shouldn't be doing that. Like,
1: I mean, what's, like, I would love to find the logistics in the, like, why did you leave an hour and a half earlier? It doesn't like it. Just like, you charter. It's not like you're you're waiting for the scheduled flight. Like you're you're flying back in the '60s and '70s, where you got to fly with with the common everybody flying to St. Louis. And,
0: and especially <laughs> like this is there's you know anyone who's read the CBA and if you have my condolences, uh, if you've read the CBA, there's a lot have of you? things. There's a lot of weird <laughs> definitions and sub-definitions, and yeah. like say something as 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 relatively simple as player age changes what it means between things sometimes it's your age on september 15th sometimes it's your age anytime during the year like <laughs> it can mean a lot of different things but the the no travel rule is really yeah. really really clear and i imagine if you're the leaf new go- if even if you're calling some of the league office aside good luck getting a hold of someone with the league office because the league's closed but even if you <laughs> can get a hold of somebody the argument being well it'd be easier if we leave a bit earlier rather than leaving first thing in the morning i mean you gotta like. They-
1: Brandon yeah. Shanahan's calling up Gary, like, hey Gary, I, I got an earlier flight. You think we could get in? Do you think we can do you think we can go at
0: ten <laughs> thirty instead of twelve oh five? Like I don't know. It's it's it seems kind of silly in small yeah, potatoes in the grand is. scheme of things, but it's also like this is one of I think three really clear rules the CBA has mm-hmm. and you know as a result, uh, it's a bit of a speeding ticket for the Leafs right now.
1: Like I I'm sure if you ask the players, they're probably like, Whatever, it doesn't matter. But I mean they're mandated these three off days at this time of year. Uh, it's the way the schedule is. And you know, they don't have very many breaks. They have the bye week, I guess, and then they have the, the all-star break. But it's always been holiday break. Usually have the three days off and then the league doesn't you know I can't remember the last time the league even played on Boxing Day.
0: I think it was it would have been like at least five or ten years ago. Yeah. It was a while ago. They haven't played on Christmas Day since the 70s. And then the, we were
1: talking off air. I was and this was a discussion I had with uh, with some family members through the holidays. Uh, you know, you saw the NFL play on Sunday, uh, which you know, which was fine because they had majority of the games on Saturday. But then the NBA has obviously cornered the the Christmas Day market. There's
0: a lot of bowl games and stuff. Yeah, uh, like, around that time well, of year too. Even
1: then, they, they, yeah, exactly. The college bowl game. They even they take Christmas Day off. They have the one game on Christmas Eve, and then they pick it up again on Boxing Day. But you know, and that, but it's always been like the NBA has been the uh been their day on Christmas Day. So I was like, well, if the NHL was to ever wanting to do a holiday type schedule type thing. I don't know, like, is there much of an appetite for it up in this country? Because it would have to be between Canadian teams. You'd figure. You couldn't, because if you were going to do, like, maybe once this NHL, like, once maybe the ESPN and TNT deal goes, gets really good and you start seeing more popularity of the, of more eyes on the sport down south, maybe you could see, oh, maybe the Kings are playing the Avalanche on a Christmas day or something like that. Or the Bruins are playing Blackhawks or something like that. Just something like that. Obviously, there's arena availability in that. But I'm just wondering, in, in Canada, is there much of an appetite if you were to go, like, let's say, Battle of Alberta on Christmas Day night? Is that something that would move the needle for anybody? Would it move the needle for you? on the 960, 960, 960 on the text line. If a Christmas yeah. Day game is something that and, you would,
0: would like to go to, well, and that's the thing because like a lot of a lot of these things, like as a television product, you know, uh, a lot of people are mm-hmm. getting together with their families on these days, yeah. and that's why the NBA does it because yeah. everyone's at home, you know, and it's it's one of those things where you know you wake up, you open presents, and I think this year 10 a.m. there was the first NBA game, so mm-hmm. you had time to have your cup of coffee. Open presents, call yeah. grandma and, and thank her for the for mm-hmm. the new sweater, and then boom, sports the rest of the day. Yeah. And if you're you know if you're in a big family, you know the the folks who are taking care of the cooking want everyone the heck out of their kitchen so they can do their thing. Yeah. And so one of the things that used to be very big in in professional wrestling, for example, mm-hmm. is they do bi- they do wrestling cards in the afternoon on on Thanksgiving Day yep. and on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. and it was a huge draw locally. And they, it has been you know as as you know professional wrestling became more mm-hmm. of a television product less yeah. of a of a live event product yeah. it's trended uh, to away from that because people i think i think the the reputation is you know people don't watch tv as families yeah. anymore that's so, fair but i think i think it's definitely worth doing you know i i think the big question would be if you're the player's do you value having the days off where, where you, you have them? And if you're giving this up, yeah. what would you be asking for in return? Exactly,
1: it's a give and take thing. Well, if the NHL is like, oh, there's there's some untapped revenue here, we can get to uh, filling these buildings on on Christmas Day, like be it, you know, again, it doesn't have to be the Americans either. I think you know, it could be a Canadian thing. Well, you got you got a, an Eastern game in the afternoon and then you have the Western game in the, in the late afternoon or in the evening, whatever you want to do. I
0: think, I think much like they do with uh, the, the, we were talking off air about the, the, European games and mm-hmm. how, you know, we were talking about the the Spengler Cup and how, yeah. you know, the Rochester Americans, an American League team, yeah. went to the Spengler Cup a few years ago, uh, I believe when the the Flames-Meyer League team, I think it was when they were in Abbotsford. You know
1: what, it was 2013, it was the lockout year. Yeah. And that is why okay, I think that's they, were, I they that's were brought why. in, they, they were just like, because there might have been some yeah. NHL guys still playing but in that's the a,
0: that's such a cool experiment, yeah. and I think... Yeah. It would be, mm-hmm. I, I think, especially as you know, the NHL is very much about. We would like to build revenue as much as we can for the health of the sport, and they should be yeah. looking to grow revenue in the health of the sport. Mm-hmm. I think you know, having having the 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 wherewithal to work with the players to do some weird experiments, like because mm-hmm. the you know the the stadium games, like the the Heritage Classic yep. and the the Winter Classic. Were initially weird one-off oddities that yep. people went, oh, there's, you know, sure we love outdoor hockey, but there's no way people <laughs> will want to go up to Edmonton <laughs> and sit in the cold and watch Edmonton play the the Montreal Canadiens. And it turned out to be a huge success, and it created a huge amount of revenue yep. for the league. It's, it was it's been good for the league and their partners and their players. And I think if they can, you know, get creative and give themselves the ability to do some experiments, like do yep. a, do a Christmas Eve game, do a Boxing Day game, see yeah. if you, see if you can do a Christmas this game as a one-off and and then you know work with the players to see what kind of weird stuff they want to try
1: yeah i think that like like the nhl does well they've got their european their global series games but they're at the start of the year like how many like the nhl yeah you and i we're gonna follow this league 82 games doesn't matter october to to june it's whatever but there is a majority of people that you know they might not start getting into this game the sport especially down south until later in the year and when you see like Nashville and San Jose playing over in, you know, in the in Czech Republic or Czechia or in Prague or something like that in October. It's like, did it move the needle for you that much? They're playing at the start of the year there. Like, wouldn't you rather see and I know it's scheduling and everything, wouldn't you rather could couldn't you see a European game in the more middle of the season? Kind of make it more
0: Couldn't could you do something coming out of the Olympic or the uh, the All-Star break. Yeah. Cause you know, maybe maybe you give that group an extra bit of extra time. Mm-hmm. Like if if you're asking me, if I'm a player and you're asking me, you know we want you to leave your, your wife, your kids, your your family to go off and play in, mm-hmm. let's say Sweden. you're sending me to Sweden right after the all-star break maybe give me a bit of extra time on the front end you know yeah. maybe the all-star breaks a little bit different for that team mm-hmm. and then they come out of it they can you know if you're there for 10 days or something you can yeah. bring your family like, it becomes a little bit more palatable yeah. and a little bit easier to work with and it seems like they're you know the league's in love with having that that middle of the season mm-hmm. break so can they get kind of creative with how how yeah. they administer it to try out these kind of things and
1: i think it'll it'll happen for Sure. More like as we figure out like what's going to happen with uh, with the next best on best tournament. I know that's probably been pushed down to 2024 now. So it, it's it's trying to find some things in the middle of the season. I know the Winter Classic was kind of that thing is like the middle bre- uh, benchmark of like this is our marquee game middle of the season. But over the years, like you, you lose the you lose a bit of that 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 the the the, the sheen, the glow the, the the glossiness. It, it, it becomes that, just another outdoor another game, game for Chicago or Boston, exactly. And it's like we got Boston Pittsburgh at Fenway, and it looks absolutely stupid if you're in this stadium. Like the sight lines, like what is this? Like I, I know they had a college bowl game at Fenway uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it actually looked okay, the football field. But like with the hockey, and they've done the Winter Classic at Fenway before, it looks weird. But the thing is, here with the NHL, they don't care how it looks like. When you're in the stadium, they all knows that all forty five thousand seats or whatever are sold. Yep. And I don't think there's ever been an outdoor game that's been under a hundred percent capacity in attendance,
0: at least sold tickets. I, I'm I'm very curious how how things are going to go in October when we see the Battle of Alberta up in Commonwealth because Dude. that's that's one of the few if you're looking mm-hmm. at sort of the the things you could turn into events in terms of rivalries in terms of mm-hmm. spectacle. There's not many left, and the idea of Connor McDavid playing the Flames in a stadium mm-hmm. in what's going to be probably not terrible weather. I mean, I know it's Edmonton in late October, so it could be anything. And they did,
1: they're doing this on purpose because it'll be the 20th anniversary of the first ever outdoor game.
0: Yeah, 20th anniversary of the first outdoor game, and you know it'll be, I think, technically the tail end of the 50th anniversary of the Flames. I think they're you know 2020, actually yeah 2022, so it's sort of the the, the very tail end of uh, of the 2223. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you if you include the lockout year, you knock that out. Technically, it's the it'll be the beginning of the fiftieth playing season for the Flames. Yeah. So there's a lot of like cool stuff they could do. So great. That's you know it's it's that's that it seems like a slam dunk. What other? things can they do because it seems like they've done almost every other iteration yeah. of outdoor teams and then it's going to yeah. be like you know the, what do they have left they're gonna they want to you know maybe they can do another one in vegas and actually make it you know less full of gra- ra- crickets or grasshoppers yeah. this time
1: and i think that's what the rumor was i think we heard it i, th- I think i saw it before the the hall i don't know who put it out on twitter but it, there was talk that it, next year's winter classic is probably seattle vegas in seattle That'd be fun. Yeah. Like, so like that would that. be January, 2024. So that'd be the expansion winter classic. Um, So that's something, it, whether it's in Seattle or Vegas, I mean, I mean, Vegas and January, I'm not sure they could, they've done, they've done games in LA during the stadium series. They've done games in San Francisco. So uh, maybe a little different with, uh, yeah. with Vegas. There's a text here. Uh, I love the idea of a BOA on, uh, during Christmas, but on the flip side, I enjoy seeing all the players with their families, having some off time
0: from a busy schedule. And that is totally fair as well. Like, um, and, and that I think that's the thing. Like it's is you know as as our friend Peter of reminds us, it's a game with about people. And I think if you're going to be asking mm-hmm. you know any of the Flames players, any of the Oilers players to take time away from their families, mm-hmm. you got to balance the balance their their yeah. needs as people versus the their needs as you know a brand or yeah. a business or things like that.
1: Because it's it's just maybe my greedy. Eyes on it's like
0: like oh I want to watch some more sports on
1: Christmas Day because that's just the way I celebrate you'd, my Christmas.
0: You'd want to watch sports in the dead of July. There's, oh, like that, there's that's a, exactly a, it. There's a bunch of us degenerates <laughs> that when they sold us hey we're gonna be you know after the pandemic or are bringing hockey back in July and August. There was or all like hot damn hockey <laughs> well, in July and August. Sign me up. So
1: when there when there was like a a, a ten o'clock puck drop on August fifteenth out between the Islanders and Hurricanes or whatever the play in matchup was out east. Like that was like. That stuff I love. That stuff like I don't know why. It's just I'll watch like even a period of it. Like I don't even watch the watch the finish of it. But just I know that there's hockey being played at a ten o'clock in a random summer day. This that is this is
0: why we like the Olympics when they're in Europe and have weird times. You yeah, know, you get up at four in the morning and you're squinty eyed and your spouse is asking you like, "What <laughs> are you doing up?" It's like, but honey, Austria is playing Czechia in an Olympic group stage qualifier. <laughs> it's like, exactly. okay
1: why well, i mean that's what like with the world cup happening this the time of the schedule that was this year being november december it's like yeah like part of me like oh, i really miss going to going to like the ship or something like that watch a game you know in the summertime but then it was also like you know,
0: just hey, world the, cups being played during the winter the, the gold cool. cups gonna be here before you know it. exactly uh, we should probably mention the other <laughs> bit of maple leafs related news because i know everyone's always shouting more about the leafs please uh Sheldon Keefe, uh, the others fine today. Sheldon Keefe fined twenty five thousand uh, dollars by the National Hockey League for demeaning conduct directed at the <laughs> officials during Game Five Fifty Three at Saint uh, in Saint Louis <laughs> on Tuesday. Uh, essentially, he was mean at near two of the referees, and so it's a twenty five thousand dollar haircut again. Relative to what he's making is the catch go yeah. to the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's a slap on the wrist, but it's not insubstantial. And you know, it's the, the, the league does fines from time to time to dissuade particular conduct towards uh, the CBA or the, uh, the officials. And, especially the officials. I think they want to make sure that the officials, they've had a a lot of turnover in the the Mm -hmm. league the last few years with officials. If you go on, uh, I highly recommend going to scoutingtherefs.com. A friend of mine runs that site because I know everyone who works in the internet, apparently. (laughs) And uh, they look at, you know, uh, experience levels of officials, you know, historical records, those kind of things. But the big trend is a lot of officials are are retiring and Mm -hmm. or, you know, being uh, de-emphasized in favor of younger officials as a result. You know, games are being officiated by guys who are less experienced than they were five years ago, and as a result, things can kind of get hairy. And uh, so, I think the referees, or really, the uh, the league, wants to make sure the referees don't get too much of an earful. Of course, where no, no, if they do, it's civil at least.
1: And I, I get it, I get it. Like it's 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 a job that nobody wants to do. Like that's a, that's a you can say it's a thankless oh, job. But go
0: go to any minor hockey rink yeah. in, in anywhere and just watch hockey for like. Forty minutes, and you'll see at least a half dozen parents say something off book like, to uh, to the officials.
1: Like this guy's doing something on the good of his heart, refereeing your children, and you're out here just giving them the gears. And he's making they're, they're making nothing. Ga- they're for they're, this. they're making
0: <laughs> gas money and maybe a bag of chips, like some of <laughs> the kids are.
1: Exactly, exactly. Uh, a couple more things to uh, get to before we shut down here. Uh, it is a busy, busy game day for uh, all of uh, Calgary's hockey teams. Of course, flames crack and go at 8 o'clock, but the Wranglers, they're back in action after a nice little uh, couple week off, I believe. They, were, they haven't played since the 13th.
0: Yeah, since uh, their dramatic victory over the Ontario Reign and I believe, it was Brett Sutter's 1,000th uh, oh, yeah, yeah, game.
1: 1,000th game, yeah, something like that. So yeah, it was actually, not the 13th, it was actually last week, it was the 23rd or something like that, actually. I mean, the schedule is weird. I don't know. I'm looking at it, and it's like, there's a I think gap. Was, I think it was
0: the 23rd. There's a
1: gap. I'm, I'm showing Ryan right now. It's like, moose, nothing bakersfield and like they played ontario in there somewhere
0: they beat ontario (laughs) twice in there
1: so i don't know wranglers fix your website schedule's messed up but anyways they play in bakersfield tonight the uh, oilers uh, ahl affiliate they're getting two with the condors and then uh, they get ontario there on saturday hitman they're back in action as well taking on the edmonton oil kings uh, the down-and-out Oil Kings. It's been a while since they've been down-and-out.
0: So, this is kind of a fun little schedule. I, 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 on a previous program, I commented about how neat it was that the schedule put, uh, you know, Brett Sutter got to play in his 1,000th AHL game for his hometown team against his old team. Yeah. And we had Flames Oilers... Uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday has the Flames and the Oil Kings, we're yep. both owned by OEG, mm-hmm. and uh, and then the, <laughs> the and then the Bakersfield. Co- so we have the Battle of Alberta on three different fronts yep. in on in basically a day a, and a half, in a twenty four hour span. That's fantastic. Uh,
1: so that's an amazing little uh, scheduling quirk. Yeah, good on you guys. But yeah, uh, Hitman they're in action tonight, seven o'clock. You can find that on our alternate feed, tonightSportsnet.ca slash 960, but it is a Calgary Flames game day. They get ready for the Seattle Kraken. That's an 8 o'clock puck drop. Uh, our coverage starts at 4 o'clock with Flames Talk. Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson will get you set for everything. Flames and Kraken as well. Thank you to Ryan Pike, managing editor from Flames Nation. Um, yeah, enjoy yourself uh, a good game tonight. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Yeah, and, this and been- uh, yeah.
0: I think I'm back tomorrow from 2 to 4, yes. so if you couldn't get enough of me on uh, Sportsnet today, you get more of me tomorrow. Uh, have some things in the works. And I believe in the second hour uh, t- uh, tomorrow, between three and four, I'm joined by Wes Gilbertson. Oh, there you go. Uh, I don't think I've ever done a show with Wes. So I'm looking forward to it. It's be fun. awesome.
1: All right, buddy. Uh, thank you to Ryan Pike. Thank you to uh, to our producers, Cameron and Taylor. They've been awesome. Everybody listening out there, stay safe, enjoy the flames and cracking tonight. This is Sportsnet 960, The Fan.